guy, and I know you're going to love him. He's a man of many talents, wonderful family. He's got a pastor's heart. He loves Jesus uncompromisingly. He's an amazing worship leader, and he loves to teach and preach and bring messages of hope and reclamation and restoration. So I want you guys to welcome Andrew as he comes and uh, honor him as we honor, as he honors you. Says Sherry on it. I'm Sherry today. Hi, Sherry. I didn't get to hug your neck when I came in. It's good to be back with Elevate Miami. It's been a few years, right? How long has it been? It was a three years before um, we had a little thing happen a couple years ago. You remember that? It's like. We all just stopped hugging each other for a little bit. <laughs> Did you guys experience that down here? Yes and no? I live in Virginia Beach, and it's a very interesting, uh, you know, combination of types of people. We had both extremes of people locked down and people refusing to be locked down. It was just a fun time. You really got to refine your people skills, learn how to communicate. Uh, wow. Why don't you do this? Why don't you put your hand on your, on your belly? You know that your spirit is in the center of your being, in your belly, right? You're a spirit. You've been given a soul, and you inhabit a body. Right? I want you to say this after me. Father, I bless my spirit man to be in a leadership position over my soul and over my body. Soul, you must serve the spirit. Body, you serve the spirit. And Father, I receive now what you want to give me from Holy Spirit, I thank you for the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If we walk by the Spirit, we won't satisfy the desires of the sinful flesh, right? Do you know that you were created in the image of God, right? We were created in the image of God. Do you know what your flesh is in the image of? The devil. The flesh is the image of the devil, right? What happened to Satan? He, he saw that the throne of God was attractive to him. And he believed that he could take it. And as soon as that entered his heart and he agreed with it, what did God do? Nope, not going to play that game, buddy. See ya. I don't share my glory. And you can't take my glory. 
So he's cast to the earth. What was his mission? What was the devil's mission before he was the devil? Lucifer. Right? He was the, he was the praise angel, the worship angel. Right? You have three chief angels, right? We've got spirit, soul, body. You have three chief angels. Can you name them? Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Michael, the warfare angel, right? Any kind of, we need reinforcements, Lord. All right, Michael, get them going, man. Send them. They're calling for them. Gabriel, communications, right? Every war, you need, you need to communicate. You need intelligence. You need really good intelligence because there's counterintelligence and there's like counter-counterintelligence. It's all crazy, right? You need, you need a clear message, right? So we've got the war angel. We've got the communications angel. And then you have Lucifer, the praise angel, now, he wasn't just like strumming a guitar and leading everybody in kumbaya. In fact, he was, in his being, a laser light show. He was a smoke machine. He was a full symphonic orchestra. He was a pipe organ. He was a, a rock band that makes you 2 look like child's play. I mean, he was, all, he was these things. He wasn't just doing them. It was his nature. And when he chose to go against his nature and go against the nature of God, the flesh was born. He stopped doing things by the Spirit of God. God took the Spirit of God from him, took his mission, and cast him to the earth. And then God says, hey, let's create someone in our image, right? Father, Son, and Spirit. Let's create mankind. And let's fill mankind, male and female, with our spirit. And you and I were given the mantle that Lucifer had. Do you know what the most commanded commandment is? Can you name it? What is the most repeated command in Scripture? Shout it out if you know it. That's not a command, but yeah. But that's a, that's a great, it's actually the wrong answer. Probably the first time in history. Jesus is not the answer. What is the most repeated command in Scripture? To praise. Over 2,000 times, we are commanded, not suggested, not, hey, you, maybe you ought to. Have you considered you are commanded to praise God? I didn't make it up. You open your Bible and you open my Bible, they'll say the same things. Over 2,000 times. Now, do we have any Spanish-speaking people in the room? What's the word for Praise. What is it? Alavar. Alavar. I like that. Is there any other word for praise? Okay. So two. In English, we have one. We have praise. I praise you, Lord. Okay. Great. 
In Hebrew, there are nine words for praise. They're all different. They are not mental. They are physical. Praise is not praise biblically until it becomes physical. I'm not talking about worship. I'm talking about praise. They're different. See, praise is always worship, but worship isn't always praise. Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, Let your lives be living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship. Right? Worship, the idea of worship is actually more tied to servanthood than it is to making music or, you know, sound. It's, it's actually about serving. It's about giving to God what is God's. In fact, God raised up Moses, and what did he command Moses to go tell Pharaoh? Why? That they may worship me. It's, it's not just let my people go. I'm, I want them to be free, but they have a purpose. They have a purpose. Their purpose is to come into my presence, and I'm going to prescribe the way, the appropriate way for them to come into my presence. Did you know that there's an appropriate way and there's an inappropriate way to come into the presence of the Lord? Now, God, being a loving father, rich in, in mercy and compassion, can take someone who is immature in their theology and go, I love this person, come into my presence. But then as they begin to come into the presence of the Lord, they begin to learn how to appropriately relate to a pure and holy God. Right? It's like with our kids, you know. My sons will come up into my presence while I'm on stage ministering. In fact, they did it last weekend. My son Lucas, ran, I mean, we're in the middle of the most raucous, rowdy moment. And he just is like, hey, you know, he just climbs on the stage. And that is absolutely 100% okay. You can always interrupt God. Did you know that? You can interrupt him. But when you come into his presence, he begins to form you and shape you and establish you in your presence. This is the nature of relationship with God. This is why walking by the spirit, when we walk in the spirit, we don't begin to satisfy the desires of the sinful flesh, which is about pleasing me. Your heart becomes, God, I want to please you. I live to please you. Do you love God? Do you love him? Do you want to please him? Say it. Do you, do you want to please him? Do you want to be a blessing to the Lord? Right? I mean, I don't want to walk into somebody's church, like elevate Miami and be a curse. Lord, I, want to, I, I drove three and a half hours to get here this morning. And I said, Lord, I just want to be a blessing. I want to be a blessing to this city. I want the result of my presence in this city to increase your presence in this city. Because I guarantee you the answer to the spiritual problems of this city is his presence. See, the problems of society are always tied to a decline in worship. This goes back to what the Puritans believed when they came over and they established cities and colonies. They believed within their community that every breakdown in society was directly related to a breakdown in worship. 
Let my people go that they may worship me. But hidden in this world of worship, God has given us very specific instructions. They're his words. Does God mean what he says? This isn't the secret, right? God is not into conspiracy the way that you and I are. He's not hiding things to keep an illusion going so that we are constantly being led around. He is very clear about what he says. Deuteronomy 28, there's a mountain on this side. There's a mountain on this side. Here's all the blessings, and I want to tie the blessings to this mountain so that every time you see this mountain, you'll be reminded, because mountains don't move, right? They stay where they're put, unless you have faith, and then you can move them. But here's another mountain, and there's a bunch of curses tied to this one. If you do what I say, all of these blessings are yours. If you don't do what I say, this is what's going to come upon you. I love you. I love you. I don't want you to do these things, but they will come upon you, right? That's, that's the father language. That's not judgmental, angry God language. That's I love you, but I have a created order. And when you live in my created order, you won't live by the flesh. What, is, what does Paul teach us about the flesh? The flesh profits, he puts it in economical terms. It profits you what? Nothing. And in fact, I think he could have gone a little bit further. And he does elaborate in other letters. The flesh kills you. How many times have you worked for nothing? Did it, did it leave you feeling bright and cheery? I'm not talking about being sacrificial. I'm talking about a worker's worthy of his or her wages, right? But when you have no return, when you've labored and you've sweat, you're not like, man, that was great. I want to do that again. No. God's, God, he has a created order. And when Lucifer got out of his created order, he said, nope, I don't. I don't mess around. See, some, there's, there's a secret in the heart of God. God is deeply offended, deeply offended by unfruitfulness. God loves fruitfulness so much that when he sees something that is unfruitful, a.k.a. the fig tree, he curses it. He hates that. He used the fig tree as an illustration. Well, it wasn't for the season of figs. No, it's always the season in my kingdom for fruitfulness. Always. And I'm trying to teach you a lesson, Peter. I want you to get away from the thinking of the fishermen. In fact, I sent you out again, and you caught so much fish that your boat began to break. I'm, I'm teaching you a different way. You are so inundated with the culture of this world, and it's been born in the image of the flesh. Let that sink in. We live in a world, just look out here, the city of Miami, a great city. I love this city. My family comes from this city on my mom's side. My grandfather was one of the main managers of J.C. Penney in the 50s and 60s. They sent him down to the southeast. He was over the whole southeast, one of the greatest salesmen you could ever meet. He, built, he helped build this place. And I went to Coconut Grove this morning, got a little coffee at Panther, and I'm like, wow, like, this is part of my inheritance, you know? And I'm watching all these families walk around. I mean, literally a dozen families, like, with strollers, and they're just all connecting. And I, I was like, wow, Lord, this is beautiful. This place is so ripe for a move of God, Right? 
So God, I'm trying to establish something here. There's a context. There's the life of the spirit. There's the life of the flesh. They've always been in existence. Well, not the flesh, but you know what I mean. God's always been spirit. When flesh entered the picture, he said, nope, we're not going to do it that way, but I'm still going to bring my kingdom, and I'm going to teach you kingdom, and then I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit, and you're going to live kingdom, and you're going to express kingdom. How do you see the kingdom manifest? Have you thought about that? How does the kingdom manifest in your life? You can, you can answer. How does the kingdom manifest in your life? How do you see it? By expressing it, right? You express the kingdom. Luke, Luke 7 says the kingdom is within. It's hidden within. The kingdom becomes manifest when what is hidden within is expressed outward. So if I never express outward what I'm seeing inward, I'm not going to see the kingdom manifest. See what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> when you begin to give outward expression to the inward impression of the spirit, then you begin to see the kingdom manifest. Have you ever seen yourself doing something? Have you ever seen yourself like, man, I had this crazy thought. I was in Walmart and I grabbed one of those little microphones by the cashier's register, and I just began to tell people that Jesus loves them over the microphone because I couldn't contain what was going on on the inside. That is an inward impression of the Holy Spirit. Now, you may get on there, and you may bless 20 people. It may offend one person who happens to be the manager, and they may ask you, please leave. And when you get your mind right, you can come back and shop here. But see, that's the cost of discipleship. Jesus said, if any man follows me, if any man is willing to deny himself, his natural impulse, what is our natural impulse? The elemental principles of the world, Paul talks about, the natural impulse, self-preservation. I must protect myself. I must defend myself. I must provide for myself. I, 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 me, me, me. And God is saying, that is the image of the flesh. I did not create that. I created you in my image. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we've been in unity for all eternity. We have preferred one another. We've always submitted to one another. We've never been in disagreement. We've never had a shortage. There's never been an energy crisis. There's never been an argument. We've always been giving love and receiving love for all eternity. And I've created you in that image. And see, you can look outside and look at Miami and you can look at the, the, the tall buildings, and it's beautiful, it's wonderful, but I want, I want you to think about this. When you see the city, is it created in the image of God or is it created in the image of man? That's not a judgment. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying you and I were created in the image of God. All humanity was created in the image of God. There are people that don't know that reality yet intimately because they're not filled with the Holy Spirit and born again by his blood. So when you're not born again by his blood and filled with the Holy Spirit, what you begin to create and release into the earth has not been born of the Spirit. But what is born of the Spirit lives. What is born of the flesh 
eventually dies. Right? You and I are born of the Spirit. In fact, God wants to fill us with his Spirit again and again. It's not filled to the brim, and that's one, one time for all. Jesus said, on the last day of the feast, right, he gets up in front of everybody, John 5 and 6, and he says, ho, ho. Did you know that ho is in the Bible? Isaiah 55. Santa didn't get it first. Ho, you who are thirsty, come and drink. You who have no money, come and buy. Buy wine, buy milk. Jesus kind of repeats that. Ho, there's something in his belly that goes, ho, I got life in here. Anyone who's thirsty, come and drink from me. Do you imagine? I mean, he stood up in front of all of his Jewish brothers. He wasn't even supposed to be there. He was a spectacle. Do you, can you imagine the, this guy, Jesus, this guy? Who does he think he is? He knows who he is. He's never doubted who he is for a minute. In fact, he knows what he can bring to the table. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone who misrepresented what they brought to the table? Maybe it was a business deal, and they just had the appearance of, oh, my God, they wear the greatest clothes, and they have the talk. They're so charming. I mean, this guy's talking about his billions in crypto, and then, and then when, when it's time to actually do, do the do, you know what I mean? It's like the thing falls apart. You ever had a business dealing like that? And when it really came to it, what was there, hidden, inside was revealed. And it, it brought nothing. That's the flesh, right? Jesus, in his most crucial hour, crucial moment, he is being crucified. He's been whipped. He's got thorns on his head. He's nailed to a cross, and he's bleeding, redeeming every one of us in this room. And when he's at his lowest, what comes out of him? Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. This is our God. This is the God that we love and serve. And he is worthy. We sang it this morning. He's worthy of our praise. Our praise. Praise is different. Remember this. Praise is not praise until it is demonstrated. Okay? Perhaps you saw me this morning laying on the floor. That's a form of praise. Standing up, raising your hands, that's a form of praise. Yada, to shoot your hands up. This is where we get the word Judah, right? When Judah was born, she said yada, and she shot her hands up. Judah, the praise tribe, the lion of Judah. Jesus came from this tribe. There's so many different words for praise, and there's derivatives for praise, but I want to focus on two Really just one for our time together. And if I get going too much, just cut me off. But we have a mission as the church, as the body of Christ. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you're on mission? Because I'm telling you, you go outside and you go, you go over to Coconut Grove and it's easy to start forgetting because you start to see the images. There are images everywhere. Are they in the image of God or are they in the image of man? Billboards. It's okay to say gay. I saw that billboard on the way here. That doesn't exist in the spirit realm. That, that, that like pitting people against each other, like, oh, you can say that. Oh, no, you can't say that. That is the fruit of the flesh. I'm not saying not to have compassion and 
all of those things. What I'm saying is images all around us. You go on Facebook, it's like, I don't even use Facebook. I, it's just constant strife, and that's not the evidence of the Spirit. Where the Spirit is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from bondage. Bondage to sin. Addiction. See, when, when Jesus paid for our sin with his blood, when he redeemed us, he didn't just go, oh, you know, I'm just going to deal with like 90% of your sin. He's like, if, if you beat your wife five times a week and then you get saved and you only beat her three times a week, it's like, that's not salvation. God didn't say, hey, I'm just going to lessen the amount of sin that happens in the world. He came and he obliterated the very nature of sin, which is called iniquity. It's the perversion and the twisting of God's word. He said, I, I took it into my flesh. I received the violent nature of sin and iniquity, and I did away with it. I buried it in the sea of forgetfulness, and now you don't have to be subservient to it anymore. You get to choose who your master is. Is it the spirit or is it the flesh? Flesh still exists, right? The old man, that old nature is crucified when, you're, when you've been crucified with Christ and you no longer live, but Christ lives and expresses himself through you. Now, I want to see Miami taken for Jesus. I want to see Miami filled with the Spirit of God. That when you go into a store like Panther Coffee or that nice little bakery down the street, it doesn't matter what the context is. I want to see the Spirit of God going in. You know, I bought two bags of coffee this morning, and you get a free coffee with each bag. And I got one, and I was like, man, I just... I just want to bless, you know? And I'm like, I know these people are like all up in a different culture. You know, it's not church culture. This is church culture. We know what it feels like to come in to elevate Miami and act a certain way. You know how to act when you come in, right? It's church culture. I'm just saying it's right or wrong, good or bad. I'm just saying we know what to expect. You start to go out into the real world and you interact with people that aren't in church culture, Do we have the hail, hail, lion of Judah roaring on the inside then? You know, like, or is it just, it's just like, well, we'll let it go in here. But man, when I get out there, I'm just kind of like the little tiger cub, you know. But I'm buying this coffee and I see this dude with a big old afro and I'm like, this guy is so cool. He's way too cool for me, you know. But I just saw his heart and I was like, man, he's, he's got a good heart. Like he cares about people. And I just said, I don't need the other coffee. Can you just bless somebody with it? He's like, dude, that is so amazing. He's like, we give a lot of coffee away, but man, that, that is, that's what it's about, you know? Heart connect. Heart connect. But I want to take it a step further. We're talking about the spirit and the flesh. Now we're going into praise. Do you know that praise, when you do praise the way that God commanded you to, you know what it does? It kills the flesh. I don't feel like dancing. I actually don't feel like raising my hands. Now, I'm not talking about being schizophrenic. 
where you can't make a choice and you're just being tossed around in, in your mind. Should I, shouldn't I? What I'm saying is when we appeal to the highest authority, which is the word of God, the living word of God, and we begin to do what he tells us to do, we begin to see what he promised we would see. And if we're not seeing what he promised, then we might need to go back and go, okay, are we doing what he commanded us to do? King Josiah, they discover the Torah. 400 years have gone by. They live in a godless culture in Israel. And he's like, oh, my God. We've totally lost ourselves. We've lost our identity as a nation. He's tearing his clothes. He's tearing, and then he starts tearing down the Asherah poles. He's like, we have to, we need to reinstill the culture of Yahweh into our nation. We've forgotten who we are. And God begins to introduce these people, these types of Christ in the Bible. David was one of those types of Christ who introduced a facet of God's nature that had not been expressed before. Did you know there was no music in the tabernacle of Moses? There wasn't even sound. They didn't sing. In fact, most of the time, all you would hear is just the shuffling of the priest's feet because they were like deathly afraid they're going to fall over and die in the presence of God. It was this somber, it was this stoic, so holy. But God made a promise. He said in Amos 9.11, I'm going to restore the fallen ruins of David's tent. He didn't promise to restore the tabernacle of Moses, and he never promised that he would restore the temple of Solomon. But he did say in Amos 9.11, I will restore the fallen ruins of David. And he repeats it in the New Testament in Acts 15.16. When the church is born, and now all the church fathers who are Jews, and now they're filled with the Holy Ghost, and believe in Jesus as Messiah, they're going, what do we do now? Our Judaism has been our identity for so long. How do we appropriately approach God? And James stands up under the spirit of revelation. He goes, didn't God say through the prophet Amos, go look it up, Acts 15, 16, that he would, he would restore the fallen ruins of David? Well, what did David bring? What was the revelation that David brought? He brought the revelation of praise. In fact, his first act as king was he brought the Ark of the Covenant Back to Jerusalem. Remember that story? Every six steps, they would sacrifice. Imagine that blood trail. It's reminiscent of Calvary, right? Jesus carrying that cross all the way up. But in front of the processional, you have David dancing before the Lord. All of the musicians, the Levites, the praisers, they're just... They're going for it. They're banging on their cymbals. They're blowing their shofars. They're playing music. And David's dancing to the point where his clothes are starting to fall off. Now, I have two little boys that do not like clothes, and they just run around naked all day. And it's like, I get it. I know what that, there's something in us. It's like, I don't want to be clothed with anything but what God put me in. Isn't it funny that children are like that? Now, obviously, we need to wear clothes. We, we got to be decent. We live in a fallen world. But let's be honest. After this meeting, you're going to go home and put your pajamas on, right? Because there's something in us that I want to I be comfortable in my skin. 
David was so comfortable in his own skin because his identity had been formed by the Spirit of God when he was out in a field taking care of his father's sheep and the spirit of wisdom and revelation was on him and he began to sing prophetically about the nature of God and he understood that God's love for him was the only thing worth living for. And he said, as king, my first act is I'm going to appropriate the presence of God for this nation I've been called to lead. I'm going to put it up high on a hill. I'm going to build my house right next to it. I'm going to hire 4,000 musicians, singers, thankers, dancers, scribes, and we're going to fill that place with praise every single day, 24-7, 365 days a year. 33 years, they never stopped playing a song. And if you don't believe me, go look at 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles. It's all in there. Did you know that? Did you know that 24-7, 365 days a year for 33 years, that's the length of King David's reign. That's also the length of Jesus' life on the earth. Think about that. Prophetically, God was highlighting this man after my own heart, and he understood the revelation of Jesus Christ in the heavenly realms. He pulled it into the earth, and he didn't even know fully what he was doing, but he said, I'm going to create praise on the earth. Revelation 4. I'm pulling it into the earth. And that was the most peaceful time of Israel's history. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 149. Smile at me. You smiling? I know it's like intense sometimes. I get super intense. My wife's like, you need to chill out. And then I'm like, babe, you're way more intense than me. What are you talking about? And she's like, I know, but you still need to chill out. We don't need to chill out in the presence of God. We got to move. Look at this. Psalm 149. These are the halal psalms, okay? Halal is a Hebrew word for praise. We sang it this morning. Hallelujah. Halal, yah. This is... This word, halal, is repeated in Scripture over a thousand times. A thousand times. There's another Hebrew word, baruch. It means to quietly adore. It's repeated ten times. Now, I want to propose to you, perhaps God is suggesting by the volume of how many times he's used this word halal, perhaps he's suggesting to us I want you to pay attention to this. I'm not saying it's better or worse, but perhaps he's saying, I want you to pay attention. I want you to get this. I want you to understand my nature, right? It's his praise. He created it. We didn't create it. He didn't. He, he created his praise and he gave it to you and me as a gift. And we're not here giving him our praise See, if I come into the presence of God and I just do what I think I want to do, I'm not worshiping God. I'm worshiping an idol. Did you hear that? If I come into the presence of God and I worship God the way that I want to worship him, I'm not worshiping God. I'm worshiping an idol that I've created with my mind. But when I come into the presence of God, and I begin to believe what he's written in his word, and I begin to do the things that he's commanded me to do, now I'm worshiping him in the splendor of his majesty. Do you believe that? Okay, so if you want to write this down, 
and you can look at this up, look, look, look this up later. If you like looking at strongs and concordances, I love that stuff. I've spent many hours on the floor studying the word of God. It's in the Old Testament, 1984, Hebrew 1984, great year. It was a good year. 85 was better, but 84 was good. The Dolphins won in 83. No, they lost in 83. I'm a huge Dolphins fan. Well, 72, 50 years ago. Can I just prophesy I believe Miami is going to the Super Bowl this year? I, I honestly, I, before the season even began, and I'll, you can stone me later if I'm wrong. I, hadn't, I haven't placed any bets. I just want to be transparent with you. I believe Miami and Philadelphia are going to the, the Super Bowl. That's my, that was my, like, I got this gut feeling, like, what? But, Lord, forgive me if I'm wrong. Don't, don't kill me, Lord. I don't want to be a false prophet. Not, Hebrew 1984. It's the Hebrew word halal. It's where we get hallelujah. This is what it means. A bright celebration. It means to rave. Miami's ready for that. It's like the birthplace of raving. To rave, to boast, to act clamorously foolish, to be willing to appear insane temporarily, like someone who's just gotten married. It means a flash of lightning. <laughs> now, do you look like that when you praise? Jesus taught us a transitional prayer. It's not the ultimate prayer. It's a transitional prayer. He hadn't even died on the cross yet. We call it the Lord's Prayer. He's going, my father, my father, which is going to get him killed. And then he begins to teach his disciples, hey, I want you to pray like me. And the scribes and the Pharisees are losing their minds over here, ready to just like pick up stones and kill this dude because he's leading them in heresy. And he's like, hey, I want you to learn this prayer with me. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be his name, his kingdom come, his will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. It's written right over here. Now let me ask you, what does worship look like in heaven? I mean, if Jesus is teaching us to pray and he's going, I want you to think a different way. I want you to pray a different way on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm not talking about hyping people up. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about when we begin to do what he's commanded us to do, he begins to release what he promised he would release. And he commanded us to praise him with a bright celebration to rave, to boast, to act clamorously foolish, to be willing to appear insane temporarily, to bring him glory, to bring him glory. Now, I want to make a distinction. Halal has no music with it. We don't have music to prompt us. The worship team killed it this morning. It was incredible. And when you lean on the worship team, hey, I'm going to get my car and put on my favorite worship song. I'm just going to get juiced before I go into the office, you know, and I just carry me through the day. That's a great little mindset to have. But what happens when you don't have the music to prompt you? Do you go into your bathroom at the office and start crying before the Lord and complaining, God, why am I here? What am I doing, Lord? We're so fickle. 
But we have to learn to build up our spirit, man. I'm not trying to be offensive, but what I'm trying to do is we have majored in the minors. And God is saying, I want you to come back to my heart, church. I want you to begin doing the thing that I've commanded you to do. And when you do that, you'll see the fruit that I've promised that you will see and you will have. Because I love fruitfulness. And fruitfulness comes from the Spirit of God. It doesn't come from our performance. Our dear Indian brother Alex, who was in the caste system in India, who we're supporting, right? He was at the top of the caste and excommunicated down to the below the bottom. Because he put his faith and hope and trust in Jesus as his Lord and Savior. That is evidence. That whole Indian caste system is what Paul calls the elemental principles of the world. Where I perform for my good. When I perform for God, and India has millions of gods. And they, none of them talk. None of them provide. Imagine the bondage that that people is living in right now. And God says, I want to set them free. I want to set them free. How, is, how are they going to be set free? How are they going to see the kingdom? When the inward impression is given outward expression, we'll begin to see the kingdom. And it requires us to do the thing that we don't want to do. The flesh doesn't want to do it. See, if God asks you to do something like, hey, I want you to go to the church down the street and I want you to start tithing there and getting into relationship and get into community and you're like, wow, I've, I love their worship. I love their pastor. Oh my gosh, yeah. Okay, God, I'll do it. That's called agreement, right? You're agreeing with something that God is asking you to do because you want to do that thing. Submission is going, hey, I want you to go to this nation and I want you to serve them, wash their feet, train them and teach them the ways of the kingdom. Lord, I don't want to do that. That is definitely not you, God. That is not what I want. Now we have the flesh and the spirit diametrically opposed to one another. But I guarantee you, if you don't choose the life of the spirit, you won't bear the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit comes from the obedience to the Spirit, and that manifests the kingdom. That's submission. And when we submit to God and his will and his rule, we'll start to see his kingdom. Halal, halal yah, to praise him. And we're going to do it in just a second. So get ready. Prepare yourself. I'm going to tell you a story about halal real quick. Actually, I didn't even read Psalm 149. Let's read that. Praise the Lord. Halal the Lord. Bright celebration. Rave. Boast. Act clamorously foolish. Praise the Lord. Halal him. Sing to the Lord a new song. And his praise. Say his praise. It's not your praise. It's not my praise. It's his praise. He created it. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name. Let them halal his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and harp. 
For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. I want you to see that. God takes pleasure when we do what he's called us to do. When we submit to his will. See, I, had a, I was in Ohio last weekend doing a, a, a weekend. I'm going to show you a video here in a second. And I remember on, we did Thursday night, all day Friday, morning, noon, and night. All day Saturday, morning, noon, and night. And then we did Sunday morning. I mean, it was like intense. And on Sunday morning, I was preaching at a church. Had no voice left. And I saw, as I'm on the keys, we're in the middle of a song. I saw myself getting out from the keyboard and beginning to address the congregation and leading them in a halal, which was unusual for this community. And even the pastor, like, came up and stood next to me, and I knew I was like, okay, he's, you know, we're loving each other, but this is awkward. You got a room full of 300 people and a guy who's never been there before, what's going to happen here? But I began to teach them and share with them what God has said in his word. And, and the congregation replied, we agree. We, we submit to this. And we, we halaled. And you know what was funny? There was a, a young man, 17-year-old, uh, uh, I believe his name was John. He came up. He stood up. He was the only person who, who shouted. He was a young man, 17-year-old with Down syndrome, shouted. And I, said, and I, f- I saw the Spirit of God, like, come bring him up. So we just, I brought him up on the stage, and we just stood together, and we released this roar in the room. Now, this is in the middle of the Midwest of Ohio, a little city called Lebanon, if you've ever been there, right outside of Cincinnati, north of Cincinnati. This is not usual for the, this community, but they obeyed. They submitted to the Lord. There was this roar. It went on for over 60 seconds. It's a long time. And it was this young man with Down syndrome who led he was the first one. I was ministering in Finland one time, got, getting into high praise. Here comes a young man with Down syndrome running down the aisle. He takes his shirt off, I kid you not, and he starts just like twirling it like this. And there were these people that were like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, they wanted to stop it. And I just, the Lord was like, that is the kind of praise that I love. I take pleasure in it. It pleases me. It pleases me. It's coming from the inside out. Let Israel, let her allow yourself to rejoice. What does it mean to rejoice? The Hebrew word gil means to spin under the violent emotion of joy. <laughs> Let Israel spin under the violent emotion of joy in their maker. God made it. He made it. I mean, my kids, our kids, they all do this. They do it instinctually. See, when we get older, we get road-worn. We get the woes of life beating us down. We start to smile less, laugh less. I propose to you the reason why there's over a thousand times in Scripture of halal the command to halal the Lord is because it is in our natural inclination to become depressed, isolated, afraid, quiet, unengaging. 
in our, in our natural flesh. That's what we do. And God sends a little shepherd boy who wasn't even invited to the table when the, when the prophet came to town. And God anoints this kid and says, he's going to lead my people. I'm going to instill in them something that's going to bring freedom to halal the Lord. Now, I want to show you one more thing in Scripture. If you've got your Bibles, turn it to Isaiah 42. We're going to start in verse 10. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. There's that command again. That's not a suggestion. Sing to the Lord a new song. In fact, there's another Hebrew word called tehillah. See, there's, there's tehillah, which is songs of an unrehearsed nature. Okay? There's tefillah, another Hebrew word. Prayers of the Spirit. You got songs of the Spirit, prayers of the Spirit, tehillah, tefillah. And then there's tequila, which is just a spirit. <laughs> it's true. It's gospel. Tehillah, which is halal, this is halal with music, okay? The most repeated words for praise in the Bible, halal and tehillah, okay? So halal is to rave, to boast, to act clamorously foolish, bright celebration, and then you got tehillah. All of that and the musicians. Are you seeing what God is painting for us here? Night and day, we sang it, night and day, day and night, night and day, let, incense, let worship arise. This is what, this is the kind of worship that he takes pleasure in. Woo, Jesus, come on. But he's made a promise to us. Woo, when you see this, this is going to change your life. And can I just tell you, it's not about this place. Not here. I mean, do it here. But this teaching is not about this room. This is about your spirit, man. Are you walking in the spirit? Are you doing what God commanded? The righteous man is the one who does what God says. Kings were judged by what they did. They were considered righteous or unrighteous by what they did. Did they obey the word of God or did they disobey it? Did they serve the people or did they harm the people? God takes leadership very seriously. So he raised up a little shepherd boy to teach a lesson. And then he goes and confirms something even different through the prophet Isaiah. Look at verse 10. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you coastlands and you inhabitants of them. He's saying everywhere, everywhere, every little island, every little uninhabited place. Let the wilderness and its cities lift up their voice. The villages that Kedar inhabits, let the inhabitants of the rock sing. Your translation may say sila, which is where we get the word sela in the Psalms. It means to pause. It means to be steady, to be fixed under the mighty hand of God. Prophet Daniel said, humble yourself 
under the mighty hand of God. And it was in those Selah moments that the musicians and the, the, the singers and the, the, the thankers and the greeters, the musicians would interpret during those Selah moments what the singers were singing. That fixed place, this is God in the midst of us. Let the inhabitants of that rock sing. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coastlands. And here's the promise. When we do that, when we halal the Lord, okay, when we're doing what God takes pleasure in, This is what he's promised to do for you and me. This is a promise. This means that God means what he says. He will do it. In fact, he does it when you least expect it. But he will do it. This is what he says. Verse 12, verse 13. When we do that part, the Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He, the Lord, shall stir up his own zeal like a man of war. He, the Lord, he will cry out. Yes, he will shout loud, and he will roar against your enemies. This is our God. This is the Lord God. There is nothing impossible for him there is nothing too difficult for him he can he can allow a womb that has never known a man to be impregnated think about that he raises the dead my wife is pregnant right now 28 weeks she's 43 years old she wouldn't mind me telling you that got a disclaim disclaimer for that but I, I I tell you that because she had three miscarriages in one year. One on my 40th birthday with a boy. It was a very, very painful season. We were planting a church, pastoring a church in Virginia Beach at the same exact time. So you can imagine that public mourning that was going on. We were, we were crying all the time. And this was supposed to be a wonderful church planting season. And they walked through us. Our congregation walked through that with us. And at the end of those three miscarriages... We resolved we're done. We are in our 40s now. We're just going to end that season of life, and we're going to move on. And then a prophetic word came from the most unlikely of people. I see you. I had a dream. I don't know how to say this, but I see you with another baby. I just submit that to you. And my wife read that, and she goes, thank you very much. And she put it away. A year to the day is our due date. A year to the day of that prophetic word. When she told me it was Father's Day of this year, my jaw hit the floor. I couldn't, I, I couldn't even, like, be happy. I was like, can I just say, I don't need to go into the details. It was a miracle. It was a literal miracle. And she's 28 weeks right now with our little Lila Rose, our first girl, our princess. She's coming in February. The promise of God, the exclamation point in our family that God saw fit to give us. He is the God of impossibilities. 
I've had brain cancer twice in my life. I should not be alive. I should be dead. Both times, God miraculously took golf ball-sized tumors out of my brain, and he said, Andrew, you have a mission on this planet, and that mission is to create praise in the earth, to instill praise into my church, because a praising church becomes a praying church, and a praying church is an overcoming church, and he is coming back for a bride who has overcome this world. Can't be bought can't even be discouraged, but is so in love, so in love with God. And see, when we begin to halal the Lord and appropriate his praise in the earth, he comes and he roars against your enemies. It's his promise. In fact, I want to tell you a quick story. I don't have the time to go into all the details with the, I mean, this is the kind of thing that we would teach for six days to instill it into, maybe we'll plan that. Maybe we'll, we'll just sit in the revelation of what praise is, okay? Because when it becomes you, and it's not just something that we do, but it's who you really are. In fact, I challenge you, I, and I'm not challenging you to do something that I don't do. I do this. I teach my kids this. Actually, we were in Italy two months ago, walking down the streets of Florence, and my little eight-year-old Liam, I'm like, hey, Liam, let's, let's halal right here. He's like, no, Dad, don't do it. I'm like, I got to do it. Come on. Ho! Like, we're just walking down the streets of the Renaissance. And, I mean, you, you kind of have to halal when you go to the David statue. I mean, it's like, it's appropriate, you know? And there's Chinese people and Brazilian people and all these people from all over the world are staring at this statue of a man that God said is after my heart. Think about that. God immortalized through Michelangelo a man after his own heart. And people from all over the world come to this place. And it was just erupting out of me. Like, Lord, I just want to see your praise in the earth. I want to see you high and lifted up because when you are lifted up, the righteous are blessed. And when the righteous are blessed, the city rejoices. We need to see cities that are rejoicing because the king reigns. I believe the king wants to reign in this place. So I'm going to tell you this quick story and then we're going to play this video and then we'll be done. So one of my mentors... He would teach about halal, and he went to a church in Gainesville, and he taught a group, that, the whole congregation, uh, for, about halal for like four days. And this group sent a team on a mission trip to Thailand, which is really interesting because I just got an invitation to go to Thailand like in January and May, and my wife was like, absolutely not. I will kill you if you try to leave me. And I'm like, I'm not leaving you. But things are opening up, and it's like, ooh, this is good. God, you want to release praise in every nation, in the Philippines. You want to release praise in China. You want to see that underground church explode. They're, they're, they're about to explode. Don't be alarmed at what's going on in China. Anything that's built on man will always fall. It always, the infrastructure falls apart. Usually when it's boasting. When the pride of man is boasting, that's when it's about to fall. Don't ever be alarmed about China. Pray 
pray. Pray that the church would be strengthened because that's the answer to those societal issues, that the church would lift up Jesus. All right? So this team in Gainesville, 12 people go on a mission trip to Bangkok, Thailand. And they have a wonderful time. The very last day, they're standing in front of the largest Buddhist temple in Bangkok. And they say, should we go in? The leader, Jim, he says, well, we're not going to go in unless everyone goes in together. Half of the team wanted to go in. Half of the other team didn't want to deal with all the demons. And they said, well, we got to figure this out. Eventually, everyone said, okay, we'll all go in. They go in, and they're walking around super quiet. The religious spirit always quiets people down, always causes people to shh, right? It's the evidence of the religious spirit. Spirit of the Lord is a freeing spirit. I take pleasure in my people. Let them dance. See, God will allow things for a season, and we go, we go, oh, that must be the way that he wants it. No, he just allows it in his grace for a season, but then he comes and corrects it with his word, with revelation, right? And so these people are in this, this Buddhist temple. They're walking around. It's super quiet. It's super eerie. And then the Holy Spirit speaks to the leader, Jim, and says, I want you to halal in here. And so he gathers the team, and they stand in a circle. And they begin to praise the Lord with shouting and clapping. And the way that he describes it is they have their eyes closed, and they hear the sound of feet and the sound of breathing. And after about a minute and a half, they open their eyes, and they're surrounded by 200 monks with swords drawn. And they're heaving. <sighs> and the Holy Spirit speaks to Jim and says, I want you to do it again. <laughs> and they begin to shout unto God. They halal God. No music. There's no music to prompt. It's like I'm not in the mood, you know. Like This is easy. This is from the inner man unto God. And they all, all 12 of them, they agree and they do it. And they open their eyes again, and all those monks are standing there with swords drawn still. But then all of a sudden, they part like the Red Sea. And down, here comes this 90-year-old man, the head of the temple. And he walks straight up to Jim, and he asks him in perfect English, he goes, What God are you worshiping? And Jim said, we're praising the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do you ask? And he said, because for 50 years, I've been searching for the one true God. And when you started making that sound, he came in here. And they led him to the Lord. And a hundred of those monks gave their lives to Jesus right on the spot. The other hundred didn't, they couldn't get out of their religion, right? But it doesn't stop there. I want you to understand something about halal praise. It is a promise from God 
If you go back one psalm to 148, it is the kind of praise that pronounces judgment on the powers and principalities that operate in the spirit realm, even kings and princes. Verse 13 of Psalm 148. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. Actually, back up. Verse 11, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. And if you skip over to 149, he says it again. Verse 6, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all his saints. There is a governmental authoritative Revelation tied to halal that when the people of God begin to declare who he is and he begins to roar against their enemies, that the spirits in this dark world that are ruling and reigning, right? We start to see the fruit of principalities. You can go and see in North Carolina, they, the most abortions in America happen in North Carolina. There's a stronghold in that, that, that state. You might go see Ohio, sex trafficking capital of America. Did you know that? Did you know that every entry point in America, whether it's Florida, Texas, wherever, for some reason, they all get funneled to Ohio, and they get redistributed. It's a dark, insidious, evil underbelly. But when the people of God, and this is why we did Restore the Roar in Ohio last weekend. God actually set it up. I wasn't even looking to do this worship thing there. And I apologize for getting emotional, but I am moved by the spirit of God like this is a revelation that he has given me it's the only reason I'm alive and I want to instill it and impart it everywhere I go in fact one of the things that we're planning for next year I believe the Lord has called called us to host the the longest loudest standing ovation in Guinness book of world records and we're going to do it unto Jesus I believe the Lord is calling us to Colorado to do it. We have five states that we're going after next year, Colorado being one of them. But I have a dream to go to Red Rocks and to get it reserved for two nights, 10,000 seats a night. And both nights we break the longest, uh, the, the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest standing ovation. It used to be for Luciano Pavarotti. He gave a concert in Buenos Aires, Argentina. For 92 minutes, people stood, they clapped, they lost their minds for a man who sang at a concert. Incredible man, Pavarotti, incredible singer. But there was something in my heart that was jealous for Jesus. That belongs to Jesus. That's his praise. And so in Nicaragua, one of my mentors who taught on halal, he Spent two and a half years, and he taught halal to the whole nation. Just went there and taught it, every church. And then he said, we're going to break the record. And they rented out a soccer stadium. 15,000 people gathered. They did 11 bands all day long, just praised and praised and praised with music. And then at night, they began to halal the Lord, and they went for three hours and 20 minutes in Matagalpa, Nicaragua. And God began to move in that nation. 
did some incredible things. But I want to finish the story with Thailand because this is really important. It is a judgmental, governmental type of praise. When you enter into it, it gives you an authority. This this monk that got saved and those hundred monks, they went to the capital in Thailand. And they stood for two weeks outside of the capital asking for a meeting with the prime minister. He hated Christians during that time. There was a persecution going on against Christians. And they halaled outside the gates for two weeks. And during that time, at the end of the two weeks, there was a revolution that happened within the government. That government administration was removed. A new administration was was started. And this new prime minister was not a Christian. He was a Buddhist, but he was raised by Christians because he was an orphan and he had a special place in his heart. And he began to legislate against the persecution, and it stopped in the nation. Now, I want you to think about this. Those 12 people that went in, what if they had not done that? What if they had not given the outward expression to the inward impression of what the Spirit of God was doing? Can I just propose to you, don't ever take lightly what God is telling you to do. It may change the course of a nation. Do you believe that? Can God take a city in a day? Can he take a nation in a day? I want to just share this video. It's about 60 seconds. This is what, a recap of what we did this past weekend. Alex is going to cue it up. It's called Restore the Roar. We're just calling it the roar. And it's based in this type of praise. It's dance. It's singing. It's, it's the prophetic. It's all of those things that encompass praise. But it's the catalytic activation of the body of Christ. It's a multi-generational movement that God has called us to start. We just started it this last week, and it was like watching a baby be born. It was the most amazing thing. We had people that were in the twilight years of their life. We had kids. There were so many kids. And you know what one of the kids said afterwards? I mean, I'm talking like demons were cast out of people. Healings happened. Salvations happened. In fact, one time we halaled, and people just fell out. In, in, the, in the Lord. No one was praying for them. And they just got saved. And this 13-year-old girl came up named Lily, and she said, she said to her mom, she said, Mom, why can't church be like this all the time? She's like, there was no religion here. That's what she said. And I don't mean to be offensive, because obviously re- there's some beautiful religious traditions. But what we are being called to is to be born of the Spirit of God. And what is born of the Spirit lives. Go ahead, Alex. That was the the sped up version. Um, Sorry, was that my phone? 
timer. I, I, I'm clumsy with stuff like that. I, at the church on, in Ohio, I had my like, in-ears, and I walked out and just like completely broke the, the music stand. It was really kind of funny and prophetic. You know what, what the Protestants did? They brought down the table of the Lord, and they put it in, in the midst of the people. That was one of the main things that happened in the Protestant Reformation. David took the Ark of the Covenant and put it in a tent, the presence of the Lord, and there was no veil. The people of God could just be around God. This is the heart of God. He wants his people close to him. He loves his people. God loves you. He loves you. He wants you. Would you stand with me? As we end, we're going to roar. I want, you to, I want you to see in your mind or in your spirit yourself doing this before you do it. Because your mind is telling you this is stupid. It's 12-12. We should go. And I want to challenge you. I didn't give you the challenge. What, we're, what we do here right now, I want you to do in your own home for one week. Some point in the day. You can do it in the morning. You can do it in the evening. Do it in your home. Maybe you have a son who's rebelling against you. Maybe he's not doing the thing that you've prayed for him to do. Maybe he's choosing something that's against the word of God. I want you to go into his room when he's not there, and I want you to halal. Okay? There, there was a woman who's, who came to a pastor friend of mine and said, hey, my, my husband beats me every night. What do I do? And, and under the spirit of God, he said, next time he comes, I want you to halal the Lord. I want you to rave, to boast, to act clamorously foolish, to be a bright celebration. Actually, Psalm 34 says, David, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will be continually in my mouth, right? That's the first two verses. That's the psalm he wrote when he was in the Philistine camp, King Abimelech, and it says that he feigned madness. He acted crazy. Can I just propose to you that what looks like craziness to the world is actually your praise unto God and God's promise to ride in on those sound waves and to roar against your enemies. So this woman did that. When her husband started in on her, he was drunk, he comes home, and she starts halaling the Lord. This man falls down, falls asleep, has a heart attack, ends up leaving the house, and then his, his other lady friend and him were actually arrested because they had been embezzling money from the local high school. This is the kind of praise when you begin to enter into it and you begin to practice it and you begin to become it. God has made a promise. I'm going to come and bring judgment against the things that are not in my word, in my will. I will roar against those enemies. I will deal with them. Okay? This is something that we've got to get into us. All right? So this is not about just being noisy and loud and whatever. I want you to direct this praise unto Jesus right now. But as we release it, I also want you to direct it to the thing that has been coming against you. The thing that, it may be your finances. Maybe you just never have the, the, the right amount at the end of the month and you're always feeling like a failure. Direct it there. God has made a promise that you have every spiritual blessing in him. 
Maybe it's relational issues. Whatever the thing is, it doesn't matter right now. God will deal with those things in his time and his glory. When we do the thing that we've been commanded to do, God, he comes in and he roars. Smile. Smile at me. You guys ready? Whenever you, whenever you want to release it, just let it go.
Hey, if you're just getting here, welcome. Come on. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Yes. Come on, Richard Rodriguez. Come on, Richard. Come on. Hey. Chris, yeah, I know you shout more at a dolphin game, man. Come on. Shout for Jesus. Come on, Chris. Dolphins just scored a touchdown. Yes! So all you got to do is, like, pretend Dolphins scored a touchdown. Like, I don't, can't do this. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Your daughter's on the stage, and she just did a ballerina dance, moms. That's my baby. Yes! Same thing for a greater purpose. Carlos, your son just scored a goal in the World Cup. Yes! Yes! Come on, you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> hey, we got another service. And tonight, so now you're all warmed up. So tonight, uh, Andrew's going to bring do a worship night with us. And what greater weekend than what? Thanksgiving weekend. You get to get your praise on. You get to bring your friends. It's going to be amazing. Did you bring any merch? No. No? Andrew's super low-key. He's like, I'm just here, man. I'm here to do my thing. But come tonight. It's going to be amazing. Second service. going to bless you. Right? Come on. You're warmed up now. You feel better? You feel better? Come on, Elias. You feel better? Come on, Elias. Come on. Your baby has been healed, Elias. Yes! Yes! See how easy that is? <laughs> Let me bless you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way. May he give you peace and may you forever live within his favor in Jesus' name. God loves you. We love you. Come back tonight. Party on. <laughs>